Hello, and welcome to Making Number Sense Make Sense, a podcast for elementary teachers, specifically early elementary teachers, looking to really make an impact in the number sense of their students. Welcome back to the Making Number Sense Make Sense podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about subitizing. When I first started teaching, I had no idea what subitizing even was. So now I kind of think of subitizing like a turtle covered in flowers. I know, a turtle covered in flowers. I'll explain. So the other day I was driving, you know, listening to music, driving, and I turned to the side and I had to do a double take. I was like, what is that? So I see on my left a giant turtle, probably like a tortoise, and it's person, I don't know, owner, I guess, were just strolling along the sidewalk and this turtle was covered in pink flowers. And I definitely had to do a double take. I was like, did I, did I just see that? Is that really just a tortoise covered in flowers just walking in the neighborhood? And it sure enough was. I was like, oh man, I wish I could have taken a picture because I have never seen a turtle covered in flowers before in real life. I wouldn't even think to do that. So subitizing is a lot like that. When you are subitizing, your students are seeing an image with some numeral on it or value on it. So when your students are subitizing, they're looking at an image and trying to figure out how many things they're seeing without counting by ones. So subitizing is the ability to instantly recognize a number of objects without counting. And some of your students may come in already being able to subitize small numbers like one, two, or three objects, especially in familiar items like on a dice face. So a lot of times if students play games at home, they know what the number, the dot arrangement of a dice looks like for numbers one to six. And they don't need to count it, they just see it and know that is subitizing. And dice is just my example, but it could be finger patterns. Like if you ask a student to show you five fingers, they'll probably just put up their hand with five on it and not have to count each and every finger. They just know that one full hand is five. That ability to know your numbers like that is subitizing make things just a little complicated, there's actually two different types of subitizing. There's perceptual subitizing and conceptual subitizing. Us as people can really only subitize around five items. When you start to see bigger items that you're still able to subitize, what's actually happening is you're seeing its parts. So for example, if you're looking at a dice face and you're looking at the six, we know it's a six because it's a common arrangement. But you might also see the six as a column of three and three. You might also see just two, three groups of two, so two, two, and two. You might also see four on top and then two extras on the bottom. You can see find those little numbers inside the bigger number. So why is that an important skill to have? Well, subitizing on its face may seem like a skill that kids only really need in isolation, but that's really not the case. It helps your students develop more sophisticated number strategies and counting strategies than just counting by once. 
it helps kids relate one number to another number and kind of see the smaller numbers inside bigger numbers, thus composing and decomposing numbers. So if you're thinking of the number five, then kids will start to learn that five is also the same as three and two, is the same as four and one, is the same as five and zero. So really becoming familiar with those number pairs that make up bigger numbers helps with addition and subtraction as kids move throughout the grade levels. As of now, I've been using dice face number patterns that only really go up to 10. But when you start being able to subitize and see the bigger numbers in smaller numbers, you can start to add those to mental math and addition strategies. If I show you the number sentence, 35 plus 12. Now 35 plus 12, some people will just know what the answer is. But if you're familiar with your number patterns and trying to figure it out in your head mental math, you might start to break apart those bigger numbers into smaller numbers. So one way you might do that is if you think of the number 12, 12 is the same as 10 and 2. And 10 is an easier number to add onto other numbers than 12 is. So I have 35 plus 12 was my original question. And I broke my 12 into 10 and 2. So then I'm thinking 35 plus 10 is 45. And I have that number in my head. And I remember that I have my two other, my two extras because my original number was 12. So from there, you can do 45 and count on 45, 46, 47. Or you might just know that five and two is seven if you're familiar with your smaller number pairs, the numbers that make up seven, the numbers that make up eight, the numbers that make up nine. Use that information to get the answer. So from there, you've broken apart the numbers. You've really been able to manipulate the numbers in your brain to solve this addition problem. And that's something that I know personally, I never really did. It wasn't until I took a class as a teacher about developing number sense did I even really start to think about that. Like manipulating numbers in my head to solve questions like that was never something that I naturally did. And it's so helpful teaching your students, especially when they're young, to see numbers as things that are flexible, things that can be switched around, compensated, it starts to create just a giant world of possibility around numbers, which is something that a lot of people who are not traditionally, in air quotes, math people don't realize that you can do. Math can seem very rigid and it has to be like this because there's only one right answer, but the creativity comes in being able to dive into the different ways that you might get to that answer. And growing up for me, the emphasis was always on, did you get the right answer? Not how can you approach this problem in a way that makes sense to you so then you can solve it and get the right answer without having to use a standard algorithm, just really understanding numbers and understanding math. So I hope that I have convinced you, or at least started to convince you, that subitizing is a very, very important skill for your students to develop, and it can be a really fun skill to practice throughout your entire math block. So next I'm gonna give you some ideas of ways that you can include subitizing activities in your math block that your students might really enjoy. One of my favorite ways to use subitizing in the classroom is, like I said before, just using dice. So using games with dice, there's so many different things that you can do with dice and not just traditional one to six dice, you might use a 10 frame dice or five frame dice, that's another way for kids to really get to know the way that numbers look. And 10 frames, five frames, 
even spinners, if you create a spinner that has a five frame on it, 10 frame on it, and using those things over and over in lots of different types of games is a great way to practice subitizing. I said a 10 frame. If you're unfamiliar with a 10 frame, it's basically a rectangle with 10 squares in it. So it's five squares on top, five squares on bottom, all together is a 10 frame. And that's another great way for kids to organize numbers, organizing counting into groups of 10, which is really important in our number system that's based in 10. So 10 frames are a great way to practice subitizing as well with numbers higher than six. Something else that you can do, I like to use this as a warm up or a number sense routine is quick images. So quick images is like it sounds like, you show students an image very quickly, like three seconds tops, and then hide it again, and then your students have to figure out how many things you were showing. So let's say I had a 10 frame with six items in it, so five on top and one on the bottom. I'll show my kids my 10 frame with six on it and then hide it really quickly. And so then the kids would have to talk to me about what they see. So some kids might say, oh, I know it's six because I saw the top line was full and it had one extra, so five and one extra. If I, I might arrange my six differently for my next quick image. So instead of having five on top and one on the bottom, I might do three on the left and three on the right. And then the kids might say, oh, I know that that is six because I saw three and three. You could also switch the colors. So maybe I do three reds and three yellows, and then they could also see three and three is six. If you'd like some more ideas on how to use quick images, I will leave a link in the show notes to my free quick image kind of sample quick image freebie that you can use in your classroom and that's in Google Slides so you can print off your Google Slides or just project it and show your kids really quick and then hide it again. Now quick images doesn't have to just be 10 frames it can also be finger patterns it can be dice it can be a wreck and wreck it can be tile arrangements there's lots of different ways that quick images can be used and what kind of images you show your students. So like I said, I will leave a link to my quick image freebie in the show notes and a blog post that talks all about quick images and how can you, you can use them in your classroom. I mentioned it briefly before, but using dice in your classroom is a great way to practice subitizing. Again, if you'd like some more specific examples of games that you can play to practice subitizing, I'll have pictures and ideas all linked in the blog post that is in the show notes of this episode. So quick recap. Subitizing is a amazing skill to help your students develop number sense. You can use subitizing in your math block as a warm up. You can use it as a kind of wrap up to the end of your math block or use the thing the some of the tools like 10 frames, dice, finger patterns, in your math stations or math centers to reinforce this skill, get your kids familiar with all different kinds of number patterns, and then they can move from the very concrete to conceptual understanding of numbers as they move throughout the year. On your way, don't forget to check out the quick images freebie and the accompanying blog post to see all of this written out, as well as pictures of some games that you might like to play with your students in their centers. I do love talking about math, obviously, but there are some things I feel like I just need to share because it was just, it's just so comical. Like some of the things that these kids do, you're just like, how'd that even happen? So one of my students 
was working on his drawing. He was so happy to show it to me. And he kept talking about his shoes. And I'm like, why does he keep telling me about his shoes? Like, I see their shoes. I'm glad you added the detail, but move away from the shoes. So I look at him a little bit later and I was like, hmm, he has two different shoes on today. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why he kept telling me about his shoes because he had two different shoes on. I was like, oh, wow. Well, I mean, there's nothing we can do about that now. Like you're at school. We can't change your shoes. I look a little closer. How about they're both the left foot? So not only did he have two different shoes on, but they were both the left foot. And I was like, well, it makes sense that he was talking about his shoes. They're probably uncomfortable. Like, I don't even I don't even know how that happened. But I will say I have walked out the house in slippers before only to have to turn around and be like, "Mm, I need to put real shoes on. So I guess it happens to the best of us. If you have been enjoying the podcast, I would love it if you left a review or sent me a message to let me know what episodes you'd like to hear in the future. Until then, I will see you next time. And don't forget to get your freebie on the way out.